What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Pixel Splitters, the conversation podcast, uh, where two guys talk about movie news, TV news, a little bit of tech news, camera news, pretty much whatever news we want to talk about. As always, we are your two hosts. My name is Josh. And my name is Willis. And uh, apologies for last week, guys. My computer screwed up and we don't have a recording for last week, so that's why we skipped a week, but we're back. And You don't have to blame yourself, Josh. They it, they could have just been like, oh yeah, it was a holiday weekend and we, we took a week off. The it's, guilt is eating me alive. I can't. It's not your I, fault, man. I have to, I have to, I have to make, I already made an Instagram post about it, calling myself out. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, how are you doing, Willis? I'm doing good, man. It's a good, uh. Well, no, I mean, it's been raining for like a week. I, <laughs> I was like, about to say, what? What yeah. the hell are you talking it's about? It's good. You know, I miss the sunshine, but yeah, yeah. so it goes. Yeah, interesting movie stuff to talk about. Movies are back for the most part. And it's so, true. You know. Very little tech news. I don't think any tech news this week, right? No, there was some stuff we could have touched upon, but I, I would much rather talk about movie and studio stuff this week, so. Yes. So today, we're going to be uh, talking about the the fairly new question are movies finished and we'll, we'll get into that in, in a minute i don't want to get too far it's a that. lot to unpack right it's there, a lot yeah. to unpack yeah uh we're also going to be talking about quentin tarantino a little bit because he has just purchased i believe his second theater uh and we're going to be talking about what he's going to be screening there and what that might mean for theater showings in the future to be quite honest then we're going to be talking a little bit about the new peacemaker tv show which exists apparently exists yeah and we have some serious thoughts about that then at the end we're going to wrap it up with the brand new trailer for marvel's new animated anthology show what if which is going to explore a lot of different alternate timelines for the classic marvel cinematic universe weirdly as you say it like seemingly the same kind of thing that loki's doing right now I know, and potentially <laughs> Doctor Strange. I, they're doing a, they're doing a thing right now. They're doing a yeah. really specific thing right now, potentially to retcon some stuff. I don't know. We'll see. And then at the very tail end, we're going to be talking about Black Widow, which just premiered last weekend. That's true. Took the yes. box office. It did. Was yeah. it up against anything? I don't know. It's no, not, not important. <laughs> Fast nine, F nine, whatever. Yes, yes. Although, yeah, it is what it we'll is. We'll get. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. Let's just jump into the very first topic, which is, are movies finished? Now, the reason we're talking about this is because uh, a former CEO of Paramount and Fox recently did an interview with NPR where he pretty much just stated the movie business is over. Uh, like, he was kind of talking to them about how, like, he used to be in the movie business where you used to make something that you, like, you cared about. And so I think he's just basically saying everything is for profit these days. And you can tell that the passion isn't in a lot of these projects, which mm. I can agree with that to a certain extent. But I don't think, I, I feel like for me, it's personally like there's just more more stuff out there. Not that there's not stuff that's being made for passion out of passion anymore. Yeah. Because you have studios like A24 that super low budget films all across the board. Mm-hmm. And they blow me away pretty much every time. Genres all over the place. Sci-fi, horror, drama, comedy. And they always do pretty well yeah. with budgets of like five million or less. So I, I don't know. What did you what would what did you think first when you heard him like when you read that? <laughs> well, so I it's I had to like catch myself because I got all like amped up because I was like, no, theaters like aren't dead. And then it's like, that's not really the conversation we're having here. The question is, yeah. is like, are movies I feel like the better question and I guess these are kind of inter interchangeable, but like, are films dead? Is cinema dead? Is mm. it like, you know, movies to me, like, could be anything. True. You know, it's more of an umbrella term, I think, than like films or, or cinema. But I'm, you know, super elitist and nerdy. <laughs> I think kind of like there's something to it. I, I like I understand what he's coming from and what he's saying of like. Yeah, the majority of things that get noticed these days are huge and, like, clearly for profit, you know, when we're getting Jurassic World 3, 4, 3, you three. know, or, who like... Know? Exactly, who even knows, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you're just getting 
franchise after franchise turned out like those are clearly to put butts in seats and make money it's a weird thing because like a24 is like a, a good example of like there are still really good movies that get made they're just not as in your face about it right you know what i mean and i think like the oscars from last year was a great example of that of like yeah like here's a lot of films that not a lot of people heard about that are actually really good so like are movies over like i don't think so i think the definition is getting blurrier yeah you know because we we talked about on previous episodes like our miniseries versus like films like where does that line kind of blur and like what's what's going on there mm-hmm. but i don't like i think it's harder to notice the films that are out there but i don't think they're not out there exactly it's kind of like we and we talk about oversaturation so much with everything whether it's yeah. like franchises or just content in general but I think it's just there's more stuff out there. Not that the quality has gone down or that people have stopped caring about them. It's just you might have to dig a little bit harder, but there's an abundance of amazing, super low-budget passion passion projects that people are making coming out these days. You just have to dig. You have to dig for it. I will say I think the the middle-budget film is dead. Yeah. I think, you know, the you get your five, ten million, ten probably the the top of it, and below mm-hmm. movies, those are like I think are still out there. I think that like fifty to like seventy million dollar like comedy or, you know, s- small drama or something like that, I think those have kind of fallen by the wayside. I think it's either gonna go up to like a huge here okay well this is going to be a tentpole thing let's make it a 120 million dollar production or they're going to say yeah we're not going to spend that much money on something like that but Mm. is that you follow what i'm saying oh 100 percent follow what you're saying but the weird thing is and i was going over it today as i was reviewing for this episode i there everything there's eras of different styles of films that are popular like in the 2010s it was the Real that was the beginning of the really huge big blo- budget blockbuster. I think, I, f- I don't know if that's going away right now. I think people are starting to get sick of that. But yeah, like you were saying, like that mid to early two thousands, like twenty five to seventy million dollar rom com comedy, yeah. you know, romance drama stuff that doesn't exist anymore. Doesn't mean it won't come back though, because. No, of course. We're still in the infancy of cinema. When you think about the grand scheme of everything, it's like, yeah, it's been around for 100 and what, 30, 130 years? 80? I think we're, we're still, I think we're just about to crack like 100. Yeah, right, right. So I think the Lumieres were in like the early 20s. Yes. Yes. Like modern Hashtag cinema. film history. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although I think 1850 was when we had some like, well, does it doesn't matter. It's been around 100 years. I think that's which, when they invented the camera. Yes. So yeah. it's been a hundred years, which seems like a long time because we're, you know, we only live for about a hundred years, but yeah, it's not that long. And the fact that cinema has only been around for that long, it's like, I'm, it's hard to say like, this is going to be over forever when two years or three years is the length of some spans of these eras, which yeah. is crazy. Like that's such a short period of time. Yeah. And you think of like, you know, I'm going to embarrass myself in front of art majors here, but if you think of it in terms of like paintings and like art history and things like that, you know, like uh, impressionist or like uh, romantic or like all those different kind of periods of art. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing to say that art and cinema like aren't going to share a similar kind of emotional experience with people because it's something... Oh, I'm reaching on this one, but it's something that that you consume visually, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's no yeah. reason to believe that there aren't generations of or different eras of cinema that's going to happen. Yeah, oh, and the fact that people today can watch films that were made 50 years ago, and the technology is obviously completely different now, and still get something out of it. You know, 50 years ago in the 1970s. Yeah. You, well, okay. Fine. Oh God. <laughs> I still think 50 years ago is the 50s. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> But yeah, but even the 70s, it's like, or not the 70s, okay, go back further than that. But the fact that you can still watch those films and people can get something out of it and still, you know, respect it for what it is and even yeah. enjoy it, 
Yeah. Like that's that's huge. And I think that people making these statements, it's just it's panic. People are like, oh, cinema, the art of cinema is not the same anymore. People are just taking advantage of the medium. But it's like, yeah, movies are dead. I used to make movies in the 1990s. Like it's okay, right. like cool. Like, yeah, on, that man. kind of movie is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't make 90s movies anymore. And arguably there were some great movies that came out of the 90s. But like there's great movies that came out this year there's great movies that came out in the 70s there's great movies yeah. that came out in the 1920s i mean like buster keaton is one of my favorites of all time like yes. you know what i mean and i watch it actively yes um him it i don't know yeah it well it being uh, that i watched yeah. the films <laughs> those films with yeah. buster keaton in them i don't know <laughs> yeah i i just think it's it, people are being dramatic it's it's not the end of i mean it might be the end of an era but it's not the end of of filmmaking it's just people are just getting started and there's just more stuff to yeah. watch i mean i'm and i'm in for that yeah and it is i will i will see that it is harder for cinema oh god for like cinema art auteurs to like rise above the noise that i'll definitely grant because it's like mm. you could make the greatest film of all time and you know netflix could buy it and dump it on their platform and be like there you go True. And then like 40 people watch it and go, oh my God, this is the greatest. Yep. And then five of those people are like, this is bullshit. And they leave a one star review and that, you know, like, yeah, it's harder yep. to get things out there. Certainly that harder than it was in like the nineties and things like that. But, and it's weird because it's like, it seems that people, some, they, sometimes like for, especially in this weird age of uh, like super big budget movies, we get like they find directors that are pretty low scale in terms of what they've done, but they know what they're mm -hmm. doing. And then they get put on Jurassic world or a Marvel piece or something or a star Wars piece. And then it bring, and then it elevates them. So it's like yeah. they're start, like the, some people you look at their IMDBs, it's like they have one credit and it's for like, you know, they produced something or they did. You yeah. Know, and then they come out of nowhere with these things. That's just, well, I was, I remember I was talking to a friend of mine at one point, um, and we were talking about how, like, it seems like when you make a good indie film, if it's good enough, you sort of get rewarded with some kind of IP film. Mm. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's not necessarily like, oh, yeah, this movie that you made was great. Here's budget. Like, what do you want to make next? Mm -hmm. It becomes, oh, yeah, this movie that you made was great. Here's uh, the one I have in my head is Harley Quinn. Yeah. Kathy Yan. Yeah, Kathy Yan made a film called Dead Pigs that I believe was a Korean film? I believe you're right, but I don't quote me on that. Well, apologies if it's not a Korean film, but she made that film and then they were like, oh, this was really good. Do you want to direct Birds of Prey? Uh, and Which she did, and it was great, but that's like a huge jump, but that's kind of what I mean where it's not like okay, you made this $5 million movie, let's make a $50 million movie. It's like, you made this $5 million movie, here's, you know, $180 million. But 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 you have to keep it in the, like, we have a story for you, yeah. here's, the, here's where it's going to lay. But this has to fit in this conversation, yeah. But then right after that, that's when they're able to do whatever the hell they want to, I feel like. Mm -hmm. it's that That's the stepping stone where it's like, after that, then you can do whatever you want, although... But that's the qualifier is if that IP is good true true ah oh, that's very true actually you know if you and like that's tough because like if you're a five million dollar filmmaker if you've made like 10 shorts and you know make your first feature and it's great and you you know you had a budget of five million dollars mm -hmm. strategically navigating how to handle like a massive budget film with massive stars could crush a lot of like second time directors it's true. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know, we're getting off the point here, but like that's the thing that makes me sad is the idea that like jumping to like a higher IP kind of thing could rob a really great filmmaker of like the ascent that they need to become a really, really great filmmaker. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I didn't even really think about that because, yeah, that's weird because, yeah, if, if it goes poorly, that's kind of it. You, you yeah. had your chance and people aren't going to either people aren't going to take a chance on you or you've just lost your confidence. I don't know if that ha if that's happened, but, but or yeah, you've just lost your confidence and that's it. It's mm. much higher stakes. 
very yeah much much yeah. higher stakes that's really interesting it's weird this is weird this is a weird time for filmmaking man it really is <laughs> like what the hell is going on like everyone people are trying to get be tied or, or i don't know if they're trying to but it seems like a lot that's the root so it's like how do we tie ourselves to a marvel or a, yeah. some sort of disney ip that will take us into the you know into those rooms with people that we can actually talk to yeah oh man I'm sure there are a bunch of kids in film school right now who are making films about, like, you know, some superhero, some generic superhero without major set pieces with the hopes that this will be seen and they'll be able to attach themselves in some capacity to a superhero movie. Yeah. Weird, weird, weird time for cinema. But, um... Well, but, so back like, to the original point. Yeah, yeah. Mo- movies definitely aren't over. <laughs> yeah, movie, movies aren't over. They've, they're changing, for sure. Um, yeah. it, it's weird. It, the idea of if you don't consider, and I'll put this and then we can continue on because I'm definitely rambling at this point, but like, <laughs> if you don't consider these huge IP properties like films or like quote-unquote movies, yeah, like then... Yeah, we're not getting nearly as many, nearly as much cinema as we used to, for sure, because, yeah, like, a lot of this just goes. But I, I don't I don't think that they're not there, which I guess is what we said at the beginning. But, like... Like, with Marvel, it seems like y- you almost can't differentiate one film from the next in terms of style, I mm-hmm. think. Whereas you have, and I don't... I, I, I don't like to bring up Zack Snyder every episode, but what he did with Justice League, what Chris Nolan did with uh, The Dark Knight, those are, I think stuff like that is needed right now because, like, that's why, I bet you that's why Edgar Wright got fired off of Ant-Man because he was like, nah, I want to do this my way and make it cool. And they're like, no, I think we're going to do it like the way that we've done everything, every single other movie in terms of tone and action. Maybe Marvel's not the conversation. I mean, maybe DC is like the better conversation with this. Maybe. Um, although they tend to make not as good of films, but they're certainly more far reaching with their directors. Yes. You know what I mean? Or totally. they don't fit their directors into as much of a box, I guess would be the. Right. So, Absolutely. I mean, yeah, cause you get like Kathy Yan and you get, Zack Snyder um, and you get um, I don't remember who directed Shazam but that's the other one I have in my head right now if like, oh, these are oh like... he, he um, fuck what's his name wait I'm, I'm pulling it up right now David F. Sandberg who, who yeah. is actually yeah he's really really awesome <laughs> so it's like I don't know it's interesting because it's like oh god this is not a conversation we should get into this I'm going to throw this out there and we'll move on yes uh, but like are DC movies less successful because um, they like are let their filmmakers take more of a chance and it's on that larger scale that we were talking about earlier. So like not everyone can, I don't know. That's Just have a crack question. at it. Yeah. yeah. I, that's a, that will get us into a whole other hour worth. Of I feel like we have to throw Patty Jenkins name out there too. Cause that's like, Oh hell yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm like talking all these like one off and then there's, you know, Patty Jenkins. There's Patty Jenkins. Al- <laughs> almost as much of a part of the DCU as a, uh, Zack Snyder. Yes, yes, it's true. Speaking of DC properties and them okay. bringing in other directors and creators and kind of giving them, oh, I don't know if that's true for this, but giving them their Ooh. freedom to do with We're what calling they want. it audible here, guys. <laughs> we are. Uh, we're swapping the Quentin Tarantino theater stuff and, and Peacemaker because it fits better. Yeah, we're going to um, talk about Peacemaker real quick. Yeah, so there's a Peacemaker show coming out. Show, that, yes. Uh, yeah, that... I didn't know about until a few days ago. <laughs> Nothing. I I hadn't heard anything about this until you showed it to me. And I just re- I literally read an article and I was like, "Huh. I must have been like just not on the internet for a few weeks or something because <laughs> this completely slipped me by." So, for those those who aren't following us, Peacemaker is a character from the upcoming James Gunn Suicide Squad, sorry, The Suicide Squad movie. Yes. Um played by John Cena. And he apparently has his own show coming out on HBO Max, right? That is what I'm led to believe, yes. that They seem to have already written and shot at least part of. 
Yes. Like what? I just don't understand. I just don't. I, I don't get. Like, where did this come from? There's so and like, where did this come from? And like, I find it really interesting that HBO is throwing down on a series for a character that audiences haven't even been introduced to, to yet. Right. Like, that's bold as hell. And like, given I suppose like John Cena is a. Um, bankable name to a degree i was gonna say is he really though like <laughs> i think he he's got recognition I, he was just in f9 actually what am i saying he, he's having a good yeah, year yeah he was in that that blockers movie i don't know oh. that's the only one that can think of <laughs> off the top of my head um f9 is like a way better example but like i so i don't mind john cena i like he's got the dude's got range he can yeah. play you know pretty good he's not of the rock caliber when we're talking about, um, you know, WWE fighters that transition to acting, but like the dude's got a career, you know, he does. And he, people know who he is, which is a big thing without yeah. even having to like, like see him. It's just, it's John Cena, obviously. Oh wait, this was created by James Gunn. I didn't realize. Yeah. That. Okay. There's kind of two things to talk about here. What what's even happening here, I think, is the first one, which like, how is it how is it that we especially like nerds and like movie buffs and TV show buffs of our level? Yeah. Have heard nothing about this. And I was saying to you before we started recording, like, this is a thing I've been feeling recently is like this year. I feel like as soon as things started, over, I have no idea what's coming out anymore. No. There was, like, what, last week that um, Steven Soderbergh movie premiered on HBO Max. Uh, uh, like, uh, what? Uh, no, No Sudden Move? No Sudden Move. Like, ha- what? Um, and I heard it was pretty good. I didn't see that. It's I need with to watch a, that, too. I actually, I did watch it the other day. Um, yeah? Yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's okay. It's, it's good. Um, For him, it's like, I heard it's, like, not in his top ten or anything like that. Yeah, it's... Visually, it's really cool. Um, yeah, you should watch beautiful. it purely for the visuals. But, but so like, I feel like it used to be okay. We got trailers on like Tuesdays mm-hmm. or trailers in front of the movies, mm-hmm. and then we'd see ads and stuff around. They were like, "Hey, this is coming out on this date." I still see a lot of trailers. Yeah, I still see things that are like, "Oh yeah, coming out on this date." Although people haven't been going outside as much. So like yeah. billboards are probably less effective these days, but like, true, I don't have a, and that's just for theatrical stuff. Like I don't have a centralized resource of like what's coming out on Netflix this week. What's coming out on Hulu this week? Like what's or next week or in two weeks. And I'm sure it has to be out there, but like, or is it? Cause are they keeping things close to the chest? Are I they trying not to do? Cause is that the move to just drop things and let it, is it turning into like the music industry where it's like, Oh Yeah here's a new album from I don't know why Smashing Pumpkins is where my brain went. Here's um, a new album by the Smashing Pumpkins, everybody. See, we're going to get it next week now. Um, <laughs> I don't even, I, that, don't quote me on that. You heard it here first. Oh. <laughs> like what's like, is it just the oversaturation of content? Like there's, there's just so much that like, th- this is just how it's going to be. Stuff's just going to come at you now. I feel like yes, but I think it's strategic on their part because I feel like if you give people enough time, they'll inevitably the hype will kind of fade. I think the era of you know, you you drop a trailer a year before the before the film comes out, yeah. everyone's stoked for a whole year, everyone's waiting. Hashtag but, Jurassic World. Yes. But now well, yes, as that aside, <laughs> but now we have things dropping every week like crazy big things dropping every week that aren't in theaters or are in theaters or it's you know whatever on hbo max and like is it just getting lost like are people like okay well a year ago and maybe this is because of the pandemic too because like guess what i i I wonder how dune's gonna do and Mm -hmm. bond's gonna do fine but like some of those other ones that i'm not sure about even black widow to a certain extent i want to see overall how it does Mm -hmm. because those were announced like 2019, 2018 in some regards. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's just they're wondering if people are forget are just losing their interest in these f- films over a certain period of time. And obviously there's no metric for that yet because COVID, like the films are just coming out now, but... Yeah, well, there. yeah, so there's that. But then there's, 
so like yeah there's the the traditional like trailer theater theatrical release kind of thing but like like this Soderbergh thing or I think of Doug Lyman's like lockdown which I've talked about on this yeah. podcast before like they, they just happen or like this this peacemaker thing I'm like this could be like done and drop next week which I don't think it's going to because that would mm. be really weird to drop a character spinoff before yeah before the, <laughs> the characters in anything although I guess that's what like the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe started as but true I don't know now I feel like with the Suicide Squad I'm like gonna go in there being like okay like am I gonna like Peacemaker enough yeah to watch this to watch an entire show which I will say like from the trailers thus far I'm like probably looks pretty funny yeah and we didn't even mention it's it's directed by Jody Hill and yes. created by James Gunn and I think written potentially by written by James Gunn James yeah. Gunn so it's gonna be in the same vein and tone at least um, and Jody Hill, if you don't, if people don't know, uh, produced Eastbound and Down, Righteous Gemstones, which is on now, as well as directed like Observe and Report and a bunch of yeah. uh, cult classic films like that. So content-wise, or I mean, um, in terms of like the technical aspect of everything, it should be fantastic, and yeah. the writing should be good. Yeah, the talent's certainly there. Yeah, it's more um, about the character, I guess. In the end, it's like, do we want to watch this guy for ten episodes, or who knows yeah. how long? <laughs> and this, I think, is the first. DCU TV show? Well. Well, yes, it. not including like Harley There's Quinn. all the CW shows. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, and those two. Um wait, which one did you say? I said the Harley Quinn show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which well, I fucking love. You can get into cartoons. Like when you get into animated <laughs> stuff, that's a whole another beast cuz there's talk about things that I don't know how many there are. Yeah. So I guess, so the other thing to sort of talk about with this, and we're kind of hinting at it, is like, are we getting, like, this is a backbench character. Yeah. Like, which is like, by definition, what the Suicide Squad kind of is. True. You know what I mean? And like, A, are we getting really, really oversaturated with superhero stuff? And B, like... In like twenty years, are we all just going to be huge comic book nerds and know every intricacy and like background of like all these B list, uh, C list, D list superheroes? Like the general population is going to know who Polka Dot Man is. <laughs> it, it's well, a for your for your first first point, yes, we're getting way oversaturated with this kind of stuff, which I'm not hating yet. We're going to get to the, that point very soon, I'm sure. But I, I don't know. I'm going back and forth in my head right now because I almost like getting these kind of super obscure characters because I've, for well, for me, I like to learn stuff about these people versus like yeah. if I see Batman again or even like Catwoman who I don't know that much about, I'm like, uh, like I probably wouldn't see a Catwoman movie potentially or like, mm -hmm. you know. Well, I mean, are you going to go see Robert, Patton Robert Pattinson's Batman? The Batman? Probably only to see what that's gonna be like. I don't. I don't. It. It looks interesting. I feel like Batman's a poor example because Batman is like got the same thing as like just there's Batman's Batman. It's like James Bond. It's like it's like it it's is a like built-in brand outside of like superhero movies. Oh, but, absolutely. And he's just yeah. He's he's like basically a public figure. Yeah. If they cast a new Superman movie, would you go see a new Superman movie? Yes, I would. Because I think that <laughs> Snyder didn't do him any justice at all. <laughs> Although I like Cavill as Superman. We're getting off topic. But yeah, I think that... I, I'm, I don't hate the fact that we're getting these B and C listers. Although they're not following... Like, they're not even following the... Like, exactly how the lore goes. Because like in... Um, like, at least in Marvel... Like, they, they did a whole bunch of changes to everyone's lore, pretty much, into in what happened. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so at that in that regard, they're not really giving us a backstory. They're kind of making up a backstory or making up lore. Yeah. So I really don't know. I kind of I, I'm, am into the idea because I like, I like these obscure characters we've never heard about and seeing mm -hmm. talented filmmakers do something with it because I know they're going to make it interesting. And they've got good taste, but it kind of worries me a little bit. So I feel like... The interesting example to touch on uh, is those CW shows. Did you ever watch like The Flash or Green Arrow or, or sorry Arrow? Um, 
or any of those? Um, I've seen sh- uh, episodes here and there, but I never really dove into it. Right. So, like, I watched, I think, the first couple seasons of Arrow and the first couple seasons of Flash. Mm-hmm. I tried to get into, like, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, which, by the way, is sitting at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know how that's happening. Because I literally uh, stopped watching it because I was like, this show is terrible. Oh, uh, um, okay. I saw that the other day and I was like, what's happening now? What the um, hell? But so the point I'm trying to get to is like after a while, there were like six or of them, I believe, going at the same time that were hour-long episodes every week. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't have that kind of time no. to consume. You know what I mean? It was, it was Flash, Arrow... Legends, Supergirl, but like it got it got way too much. I was like, I can't keep up with all of these shows. Yeah, and then it was like, well, as soon, especially with the intricacies of it, it became like I can't keep up with all of them. So like, I don't know what's happening in any of them. And then they did their giant crossover once, and I'd be like, okay, I'll watch the crossover, and I'd have no idea who half the characters were, and I was like, right. uh, you know, so that to me really is like. I feel like the danger of where we're heading Mm. with this like oversaturation kind of stuff. Like if we start getting like, okay, here's Marvel and they're going to put out six, seven shows and five movies in a year. I'm like, that's a lot of time. And there's a lot of other content out there. Or more to the point, I'm like, to bring it back to uh, Peacemaker, like, if I'm like sitting there choosing between like Loki and Peacemaker, I'm doing Loki, and I, it's it's like a weird thing because I'm like, as I'm saying this, like it's not an accurate comparison to the the CW stuff. Um, but I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird middle ground that I'm not really prepared for, um, and I think we're heading towards. Yeah. Although, when you said, um, like, the Marvel stuff, they've done three shows already in the past, what, six months or so? Mm -hmm. Um, And I was thinking, they, when it comes down to it, if you're not a super huge Marvel fan, like, maybe you've seen the MCU, like, some or most of the MCU, but you're not super into it, WandaVision, Falcon and Soldier, and Loki probably aren't going to drag you in as much because you might not even know who any of those people are yeah i feel like for those shows it was like the cultural relevance of like oh my god this like marvel's tv shows i think people who just weren't like people who didn't care at all were watching it because it was it was the thing to do Mm -hmm. versus now like we're kind of losing that steam a little bit even with falcon and soldier i was like forgetting every week to watch it and stuff even with loki i'm like i'm not really watching it every wednesday i've watched the yeah it's not as much of a cultural cornerstone yeah right because i'm like well i can watch it whenever kind of thing it's not Mm -hmm. a huge deal so that's another thing with this it's like how many people are gonna care as much (laughs) because it was more of like a cultural thing it was like oh my god marvel tv shows yeah. What like like really Marvel Studio TV shows like not super low budget ones like <laughs> yeah 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 Whoa. well and that's the thing I think we got a lot of that with Wanda uh, I think it carried over into Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, which was not as good and then yeah you got into Loki which like Tom Hiddleston on his own is enough to draw oh people God. to that yeah you know like people have loved Loki since like the first Thor movie true uh, so I. I feel like the real test on that kind of stuff is going to be Hawkeye because like yeah. Jeremy Renner and you know, I love Jeremy Renner and I'm, I'm a big fan of Hawkeye to a degree, but he is not like a cornerstone that people are like lining up to see. So um, it'll be interesting if anyone's like talking about that when it comes out. Um, yeah. There is a lot of superhero stuff out there. Yeah. And I've resigned myself to the fact that I'm not, gonna see all of it yeah you know what i mean like there was a while where i was like i'm gonna watch everything about superheroes yeah you just can't anymore yeah it's it's and it's you know it's fine it's fine as long as it's not something that like is going to be required homework right later on true and it's not even like the the big like 
IP stuff anymore because it's the yeah. boys and Invincible and mm-hmm. that Jupiter whatever show on Netflix. Yeah. Like, there's all of these like anti superhero uh, shows that are out too, which are also fantastic. I would argue they're a lot better, but yeah, you know it's it's too it's too much. I think people are getting, and I I do like it now. I don't know if I'm going to like it in a year. And that's, I think, the other interesting thing to touch on. Sorry, not to interrupt. No, no, no. Uh, But, like, we're also starting to see, like, the evolution of the genre and things like that. And I remember when when Logan came out, people were like, oh, this is, like, it's, like, this is how genres evolve. Like, it's mixing with other genres, and this is, like, a Western, and, like, it's going to become... There was another one that came out at the same time that people were like, oh, and then this one's going to be like the, you know, the anti-hero kind of thing is kind of like a response to the over-surge, uh, mm. over-surgence. I think that's a word. It's, yeah. I don't think that's a word. Sure. Uh, of like the superhero genre. Yeah. And then like we're kind of riding a different wave down and it's going to like continue and evolve and then like, you know, it won't feel as much like everything's about superheroes. We'll no doubt get to the point where it's like, oh yeah, like they have powers, but it's like, you know, they have really, really minor powers and it's just how they exist through, or something, you know what I mean? I'm spitballing here, but like. Oh no, totally. And I wonder, I think the real test is going to be like when these movies completely stop bringing people to the theater. Like when when this shit stops like actually garnering a lot of cash because through streaming, who I, I we still don't know exactly how all of this stuff is like doing. Yeah. We we they don't really release any of the numbers on that, and obviously it's just they're they're making money through your subscription every month. So yeah, I saw a commercial for the Tomorrow War on Amazon. Oh, good god, Chris Pratt. And right? at the end, yeah, at the end it said the number one streaming movie in America, and I'm like, what does that mean? You have absolutely no way of knowing that. But that what what if it's number you, one? You're not worst calling movie up Netflix and being like, well, but like you're not calling up Netflix and being like, hey, what are your streaming numbers right now? Yeah, because I think mine are better. Like, pretty you, sure mine are better. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sidebar. But it's true. It's yeah, it's true. There's no people can and they used to do that too. Like the number one movie in America thing was yeah. It's a big selling point. It, it's but it only has can, to. But be. with that, you could be like box office. But it only has to hit number one for like. A second, and then <laughs> yeah. they call it number one in America. Yeah. Versus now, it's like, well, every movie that's streaming on Netflix that just comes out as the number one movie in America, and it's like, that makes, there's no, how do you, Yeah. what the hell? <laughs> I just Full don't crap. get it. So yeah, we're getting a Peacemaker movie. It's apparently like already in the can, uh, even though we haven't seen The Suicide Squad yet. Yep, hasn't even come out. So hopefully it'll be good. We'll see how that goes. It'll be interesting. I wonder if it's like going to come out quick after the uh, after the movie, so as to keep it in people's mind. I feel like it probably will. I, I would almost guarantee it because they're gonna it, it, choosing such a strange property like that to to focus on. They have to. They're gonna have yeah. to. Speaking of movies and theaters, yeah. You versus know? streaming. Versus yeah. streaming. <laughs> versus our movies finished. Like th- this kind. This one kind of ties into everything. I think here. It does. Our guy, or I guess America's guy, Quentin Tarantino, the man, the myth, and the legend, bought yet another iconic Los Angeles movie theater, the Vista. I've never been to yes. the Vista, but I reside on the East Coast, so I, um, you know, it it makes sense. Yeah. It's interesting because he bought the new Beverly, which is also in L.A., mm-hmm. uh, a number of years ago at this point. Um, and I know he was talking about the arc light and, like, the Cinerama Dome. Yeah. I don't think he was ever going to really do that because it was... We'll see. I, I mean, so he announced that he, he bought the, the Vista on uh, Dak Shepard's Armchair Expert. And I listened to that episode, and, like, previously just before that, he was talking about the, uh, the arc light. And he was like, oh, yeah, at some, at some point somebody will buy that and turn it into something which, you know, could absolutely be him. He could it have could like a, yeah. <laughs> a two, five-year plan, yep. whatever. But do you want to go into like the what's special about, the, about what he's doing? Yeah, sure. So at the New Beverly currently, which is the one he bought previously, 
that theater focused on, he only shows film, like actual film prints of, of movies, and that one was focused on all revival stuff, like older movies that you could mm-hmm. go and watch. This one is going to be focused on pretty much, from what I gather, just new movies, also in print form, like he's not about the whole digital thing. Yeah. Uh, so new movies that will could be shown on, on film, which is pretty freaking cool. I like yeah. seeing stuff like this because it's... Like, all the stuff that we said before about is film dead, this is the kind of stuff that makes me think, like, no, that people still care about this. And obviously, Quentin Tarantino is a, you know, he's an anomaly in terms of most people. But, you know, I think other people would be down for stuff like this. I know I would be. And, like, stuff like the Alamo Draft House and those, uh, Mm -hmm. like, even the Dolby Theaters, like, something that's not just an average, ordinary theater-going experience, I think is what's needed right now. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talk so much about like going back to theaters and, you know, versus streaming and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I really think that's what theater going is going to slowly evolve into here of like going to movies for the experience and not necessarily just for the movie. And I'm reading a book right now that's that's really fascinating. It's called I guess I'll shut out. It's called Why We Need Movies. Um hmm. And they were talking about that whole kind of thing of like, hey, as it evolves into a, a an experience and it's they made a comparison to going out to a restaurant. It's like, yeah, you yeah. can stay home and like order takeout or stay home and cook food. And like cooking food is a weird thing because you're not staying home and making films. But true, true. Um, maybe, I don't know, stay home, make TikToks. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Or like you can go out to a really fancy restaurant. You know what I mean? Like you can go out and go to a place that's going to have good ambiance and a good like a really good menu or a great wine list or all these different kind of things. And like that is much more about the experience. And like no one's saying, especially post pandemic, like no one's saying like, oh, yeah, like restaurants are going away. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's still going to be a thing that people do. And it's just like because it's framed as I go to a restaurant for good food and an experience yeah and that's a generalization like people go to like you know burger king and stuff but true uh, true but it's still like you can't get that at you could you're going out to get something because you can't just do it at home yeah. like if, if you could make the exact same thing at home super easily like you you probably would just do it but it's more of like the okay if you want mcdonald's fast food it's not like I could just make a burger now. Like people want to go eat McDonald's. Like they would go eat McDonald's, you know? Yeah. And same with like high-end restaurants. Well, and that's like, that's the interesting thing is like, is it going to become more of a like, are we going to, I want to go out and I want to see a film print because you can't see a film print at home. Yep. You know what I mean? I want to go out and I want to see something that's in Dolby Atmos surround sound. Yeah. You know, I want to, sit in a giant recliner that vibrates when T-Rexes walk by. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like that's kind of what we're sort of heading towards, I think. And I don't necessarily have any kind of problem with that. I don't either, although I would like to see what happens with where people start to put their focus when it comes. And this is all ties into what we were talking about before, but yeah. where people and studios are going to start putting their focus on in terms of what kinds of films they're going to be trying to put in theaters, because I think at some point is going to get very slim where it's like, yeah. we only have this, these specific kinds of films that play because everything else is now dedicated to streaming. I think we're already heading that direction. Like we were talking about earlier, half the movies I've seen this year were simultaneous releases. Yeah. And I saw them at home when I could yeah. have gone to the theater because they're open now. And I love the theater, but I didn't. Like, I saw yeah. The Conjuring at home. I saw all these things at home because when it came down to it, I was like, you know, do I really want to get in my car and go there? Yeah. <laughs> Versus I can just literally press three buttons and it's on, which is sad to say. But, yeah, I don't have an issue with it in terms of what experience I'm going to have. It's more of just where this is going to take the entire industry and like what kinds yeah. of things are going to be starting to exactly get presented and made. And I think the Vista is actually a good example of that because Tarantino yeah. says like he's going to do new releases of prints that they give him on film. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure plenty, but I don't know how many of those there are. 
Nolan I'm sh- and it's well, it's one of those things. I'm like, Wes I feel Anderson. like there are studios that are gonna print something to send to the Vista because it's the Vista and because it's Quentin Tarantino. Of course, you know what I mean. But like, if I opened a theater here in Massachusetts and was like, I'm only gonna show film prints, and was like, Hey, send me film prints of you know Thor: Love and Thunder, they'd yeah. be like. Uh, no, no. <laughs> we download these directly to the digital projectors now. Like, yeah. why would like I'm not putting six reels of film in the mail? Like, yeah, you kidding me right now? This is a, yeah. mostly a digital animated film at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, what what films he actually gets? And this will be. Uh, I'll have to talk. To, I have a couple friends in California that could be like, oh, nice. Go see it. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see like what you know what he actually gets and. It'll it's a weird it's a weird middle ground of like yeah where to what I like the the comparison you had there like to what width are uh, theatrical releases gonna gonna reach yeah you know and like at some point do you think that all movies are gonna have to be seen in a specialty house like I almost kind of think maybe. Like obviously, way down the line, potentially. What do you mean by a specialty house? Like, like, like something like that, where it's like, okay, you're getting something you can't see at home, uh, an IMAX screen or a Dolby screen or a, the Vista or an Alamo Draft House, where you can eat there and drink. It's like, there's like, do you think it's going to have to be an experience for people to go out? Well, is the question there? Is the Megaplex dead? Because that's very possible. That I guess is. Kind of my question, yeah. <laughs> if you're a movie theater, if you're a Megaplex owner with 18 screens and the total number of attendance is down, the total number of films coming out that are going to theaters is down, mm-hmm. you know, you can't be showing Fast Fast 9 on six different screens. True. You'll never fill the theaters. You know it's what I true. mean? So, like... Are those huge megaplexes on their way out? I I would not be surprised if we started seeing a bunch of like if we, if we get back to the '90s and start seeing a bunch of like three or four cinema theaters popping up because it's like, hey, we're gonna like concentrate on four screens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gonna become a thing of like, hey, yeah, we'll do like modern. You know, modern. We'll do new releases on like two of them. We'll do like an event ones where it's like, oh yeah, you can come see Jurassic Park, which is like what a lot of them did during the pandemic to sort of survive of like, hey, like you can come rent out a theater for, you know, $150 and bring, you know, your Mm. friends, your family, whatever. Yeah. You know, I think, and like one of them is an IMAX screen. Sorry, I had to get back up to four there. (laughs) Uh, Like I could see that doing very well. Yeah. It, depending on the market and depending on the placement and now I kind of want to open a movie theater but I, we'll, we'll wait until we see the, the lay of the land yeah but um, I don't know so like if we're if we're talking about like Tarantino and like the Vista and cool things like that I think it's awesome that he's he's bought the Beverly and the Vista um, yeah or the new Beverly sorry um, just because if nothing else those are part of like cinema history yeah it's like buying Thomas Jefferson's house. I, that's so I don't know where that came from. I'm down for that, sure. Or, yeah, or, or, or yeah, you know, I'm, it's like I'm a down thing for that. that. Should be like a national park or something. Yes, it should be. It needs to be remembered because it's and and there's only a few people who are going to care enough to do something like that and have the yeah. actual capital to do it. And so I I'm very say what you will about Quentin Tarantino, but he loves movies more than yes. like just yes. about anybody out there and and if these do well i mean yeah one two three uh screen theaters uh, totally and that'll also make it more exclusive too so maybe you know yeah. maybe it'll make people come out more and then they'll do the megaplexes again like who knows <laughs> well and the thing too is like then like with that kind of situation I, i'm just like pitching my business plan here now nice uh with that kind of situation it's like well yeah like the friday night movie night is like diminished you know what i mean like yeah Yeah. they come out on friday but like people are used to watching things whenever they want now so like it you know it's more distributed so you don't need anyway yeah interesting Uh, theaters cinema it's all it's all weird right now we're getting a lot of what ifs going on in the industry take take it away you just started it (laughs) 
So <laughs> the next Marvel, uh, to sort of jump back to what we were talking, the next Marvel TV show that's coming out is the animated series What If, starring pretty much everybody. Pretty much, besides um, like the, the really, like RDJ's not in it, and I don't think Chris Evans is in it. Yeah, which we'll talk about that in a second. But um, yeah, so that's the next series coming out after Loki, uh, and they dropped their first second i think second trailer there was like a generic one yep. like a while ago yeah that looks absolutely out of control yeah bonkers like insane bonkers um i've watched it several times now Me too. i still have really no idea what's happening no um it's very colorful it's very fast mm-hmm. um I, we heard chadwick boseman's voice which was yes. something else yes but also yeah uh robert downey jr not not a part no of it which feels really weird. Yeah, it could have been his contract though, because I think. I mean, I'm sure he would have wanted a ton of money for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, it's one of those. It's a weird thing because it is still the Tony. So it's like what we're talking about. It's like a different iteration of Tony Stark. Um, yeah, it is. It gives me um, like the animation gives me Spider Verse vibes, kind of not as car- comic e, but it it has the same kind of yeah. kinetic energy to it that I find really interesting. It feels almost like a rotoscoped kind of effect yeah yeah you know what i mean like i don't know if you ever saw uh, a scanner darkly i don't think so no it's an it's a like a fully rotoscoped film from a, a few years back oh shit don't okay. look at it probably like a decade but that's like what what the animation style i got off of it was which is yes you know pretty cool it looks really really cool it does and it's um i don't even know if we said this it's an anthology that's basically going to be taking a bunch of like the traditional Mar- Marvel MCU storylines that we've known about already yeah. and just throwing them down a different timeline so that other things happen and we get to see kind of like the uh, um, the cause and effect of like just the smallest thing and where, where these where the MCU could have gone. And I don't know if it's going to be like every episode is a new movie that they're doing. Like, like I know that there's yeah. like an Iron Man or maybe it's just one big story that they're going to well, do. Well, I think... I think every episode is a different what if. Okay, that would make sense. <laughs> but that's that was going to be my big question is like I wonder if there will be like an overarching tie-in, you know, cuz it seems to be a lot of Doctor Strange kind of doing stuff. So like Right. I'm curious if there's going to be like and there's the Watcher and things like that. Are there going to be parts that are like an overarching storyline and how and like how the hell is it going to like tie into the rest of the mcu because it's not like they're just doing this for no reason there's got to be something here yeah i mean unless like legit in the next episode of loki they're gonna uh tear apart the multiverse and this is the first step of like you know dr strange being like oh my god right right (laughs) but it's always it's always possible jeffrey wright is narrating cool stuff what do you think of this being animated Outside of the style, um, I think it's kind of the only way they could do it. Uh, I mean, they could have. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. I think it's the only way they could have done it, though. I think they were just like, yeah. well, we can't get literally everyone back and just reshoot all the movies. I mean, let's be real; they literally could get everyone. back. They could, except for Chadwick Boseman and well, true, true, uh, RDJ. Yeah, but but like the amount of money it would have taken. <laughs> Sure, sure. <laughs> to reshoot the first like segment of Iron Man again and all this stuff to make it look good, yeah. I think it's, I think it's just out of necessity. But I, I don't hate it. I think it, it gives it more of this like whimsical, almost like it's not reality type of feeling, which is cool. Yeah. It kind of sets it apart from everything, and which also makes me think, how much is this going to tie in? Yeah. Like what, what? I don't, I don't get. It's literally a bunch of hyper hypothetical storyline so it's like is this gonna be (laughs) well and not only that so the thing that i would qualify it with is my wife is like not super interested yeah she's not a huge fan of like animated stuff sure in general like she she watches all the mcu stuff um and she's loving loki and all that kind of stuff but like she's like "Eh, i don't know so like if there's homework attached to this series of like oh yeah they're gonna introduce three characters that are gonna show up in hawkeye Mm. Or, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, if there's going to be, or like, oh, hey, at the end, Doctor Strange is going to meet up with Scarlet Witch, and that's going to be the first section. Of, that's how, like, the first part of 
uh, Multiverse of Madness is going to play out. Yes. Like, if that kind of tie-ins there, then I think they could have trouble because for some people, animation doesn't hit the same. Exactly. And especially this sp- very specific style of animation, too, where it almost feels like yeah. um, like abstract expressionist. It's... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this does. I want to... This is when I kind of would I'd like to know their metrics on like how people how many people view stuff like this because I would I would love to see yeah. how many people watch this. Yeah. Because for me and you and people that we know who are like what the this is this is everything I've ever wanted like literally yeah. watching yeah, hypothetical yeah, yeah. storylines play out from Marvel is like how much cooler could you possibly get? Um, but for yeah for most other people I bet you it's like well why would I want to watch something that's you know literally based off of what if this happened? Yeah. But I'm I'm into it. I think it'll. Be I'm a, cool. oh I'm gonna watch the hell out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it's I hope it's good. I mean, everyone behind it seems like they know what they're doing. They again, they've got mostly everybody back besides I think Chris Evans. Weirdly enough, Benedict Cumberbatch I don't think is in it. Um, Brie Larson's not in it. RDJ's not in it. Bettany's not in it. Well. But but ev- but literally, if you go through the list, it's like pretty much. Bettany has no right not being in it. He did vocal work for like everything i think this must be like a they they had other stuff going on because yeah. they also like uh kurt russell's not in it and stuff like that oh my ego i was like kurt russell and then i was like oh. i went i went to the fast and furious franchise oh <laughs> okay it's gonna be interesting we're definitely both gonna be watching it and yes i'm sure it's going to be a lot it's gonna be a lot you know who else is not gonna be in it, i don't think i don't think uh scarlett johansson is in it either nice Though also, yes, because she's dead. But I guess being dead is not a true, true qualifier for that. Yes. Um, and I just made myself sadder about Chadwick Boseman again. Oh. Um, yes. So let's talk real quick because I just have a couple thoughts on Black Widow, which you have not seen Black Widow, right? Have not seen it yet, no. I watched it the other night, and I paid the $30 um, to watch it at home. Woo! Yes. Which, to be fair, in my head, I was like, oh, like, I'm paying 15 and my wife's paying 15 and that's, like, not far off of what we usually pay. Fair. That's how I validated it. It's totally it fair. Head. It's pretty good. It's, like, not top-tier Marvel property. You know what sure. I mean? I was listening to a podcast the other day, which pointed out something I think was really cool, is, save for, like, one or two characters, there's no, like, superheroes in this. Nice. I like there's that. There's not powers. Yeah. Per se. You know what I mean? So it feels very much more like a um like a Bond film almost. Okay. Espionage. I like it. Yeah. Um, which, you know, she's a spy and like yeah. but the one thing I do want to qualify and we don't have to talk too much about it is I immediately wished I had seen it in the theaters. And my wife did too. About ten minutes in, she looks at me, she goes, This we need a bigger TV. I'm like, No. We need to go see that. We need to be in a movie theater. <laughs> Because it's like, it's cool, it's fine, you know, but like it was definitely like my brain reacting to like, wait, no, this is a new Marvel movie. This should be a lot bigger and a lot more spectacular. Yeah. What's, what's, what's happening, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I like, it's a good movie. It doesn't tie in a lot with the universe. Um, so like if you're not huge uh, into it like we are, but it's it's definitely worth seeing. And there are a couple things that tie into the larger universe. And Florence Pugh is amazing in it. Fire. How is David Harbour? Another one of my favorites. He's really good. He's really good. He doesn't get as much to do as as she does. Um, Okay. But, yeah, he's he's goofy. I love it. Um, I love it. So, I don't know. I just want to put my, my two cents out there. Oh, totally. I do have one quick question, though. Do you think that... You, your reaction, mm-hmm. do you think that's going to be universal? And if so, do you think that's going to make people want to go back to the theater for certain things? Like you, you being like, no, this is this, like you recognized, and obviously you're a movie person, but yeah. you recognized immediately like, eh, this would be better on a big screen. I mean, I, I think my wife's reaction is a better like gauge true, of that. True. Of like, she was like, this should be big, we should be more spectacle. And I'm like, yeah, we should be in a movie theater. Yeah. And like, if she's recognizing that, I think that's a good sign. It's interesting because I, I looked it up this morning. Uh, Black Widow did seventy million in the box office domestically. Wow! Uh, this past weekend, 
which is huge. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. Not that's like the highest one since uh things opened to back up. Yeah. Um knocked out no, I'm sorry, it was eighty million. It, Ooh, eighty million oh it knocked out Fast Nine that on its opening weekend did seventy million. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Wow, that's impressive as hell. So that's really cool. Oh the my god. The only thing that worries me on that is Fast Nine's second weekend it did ten million. So that's uh, a very, very steep drop off. So I'll be really interested to see what the box office numbers for Black Widow are next weekend. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Well, it's still too early to tell folks how, how well theaters are doing because it's people get excited about stuff and go and see because like a quiet place also did really yeah. well. But I think the next weekend people are like, eh. <laughs> I feel like the people that are going <laughs> the people that are going are going the opening weekend. Yeah. Absolutely. It was also very weird waiting for the post credit scene and then realizing that I could just fast forward. Fast forward it like a little bit. Which I didn't <laughs> do. Which I okay. didn't do. Due respect to the filmmakers who made that movie. Hey, um, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. So, Although, did you read every single credit? Because if not, no, you know. <laughs> I was on my phone a little bit, but. So let's just slide right into the recommendations. Do you have a recommendation this I week? I do. Uh, and I kind of came up with this one as we were talking here, but. Um, oh. And I'm also, forgive me, I'm like in my head here, I'm like, I may have suggested this already, but uh, I really want to recommend The General uh, by Buster Keaton. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. It's a 1926 film. Um, Oh, God, the more I'm saying this, the more more I feel like I've already uh, recommended it. But it's a double recommendation. I'm pretty sure you never did. I'm pretty sure you never have. Well, so The General is a film from 1926. Uh, It's starring Buster Keaton. Very straightforward kind of plot. It's The General is a Train. Um, which Buster Keaton is driving north. Um, it's a little like you have to watch it with a grain of salt because he is like a Confederate soldier, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's not, doesn't play into it. There's no, well, I don't want to say that, but there's a qualifier at the beginning of it. I'll say that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is one of the funniest movies I think I've ever seen. I laugh out loud every time I watch this movie, like through the whole thing. Um, it's all like amazing, uh, like just slapstick kind of comedy that Buster Keaton was known for, and I love it. And also, some of the truly some of the most impressive stunt work like I've ever seen. Yes, in this movie, it was like, one of the most oh. expensive movies ever made when it was made. Oh my god! Like truly death-defying stunts yes. in this film, where it's like you don't have CG, you don't have lo- ropes, you don't have yeah. like it's it's real. <laughs> death-defying stunts involving trains, involving trains, which are uncontrollable yeah. as it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so totally amazing. If you love silent films, if you love Buster Keaton, if you love Buster Keaton, I hope you already seen the the general. But that's my recommendation for this true, episode. True, true. Uh, and my recommendation is going to be almost a hundred years after that, <laughs> and it's going nice. to be a completely different medium and completely opposite of that. It's uh, the Netflix film The Mitchells versus the Machines, which uh, I just recently watched uh, like four days ago, and it's really it's for an animated film. And like normally, so the standard for me is like Pixar is pretty much mm-hmm. right at the top for that stuff. And then Phil Lord and Chris Miller come in and start doing stuff like the Lego movie and Mm -hmm. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. It's kind of taking Pixar by storm. This falls into that category. Um, And it's produced by them, directed by Mike Rianda, who did like Gravity Falls and stuff like that. So he's got a pretty decent resume. Dope. Uh, Great film, animated. It's funny. It's got a lot of heart. Uh, starring Abby Jacobson, who's fantastic, Maya Rudolph, Danny McBride. It's just like it's an all-star cast. They have great chemistry. Um, and it's really topical, so it's like super in the age of smartphones and stuff like that. And it's very, yeah, it's just, it's a well-made film. I would say highly, highly recommend checking it out. Uh, and it is on Netflix. Nice. The general is available on YouTube if anyone wants to watch it. Oh, fantastic! I'm gonna watch yeah. it like tonight. <laughs> it's one of those like public domain things. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. Well, that'll bring us home. Yeah. Uh, Josh, where can people find you online? People can find me online uh, on Twitter at Josh Fuller 33 with no E and on Instagram at Josh J. Fuller. Where can people find you? You can find me online on Instagram at Willis Film and on Twitter at Willis Film. And, uh, of course, as always, you can find both of us 
simultaneously on Instagram at Pixel Splitters or on Twitter at Pixel Split Pod. Yes. And we have yet to be tweeted at. Yep. Just putting that out there. Yep. No pressure. We're stop pretending to use Twitter if you guys don't start tweeting at us. Yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> oh, God. All right, man. Good stuff. I think that'll bring us home. Yes. Good talking to you, as Thank always, you. and I'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks for listening, guys.